Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by Mio, makers of the world's first strapless heart rate monitor sports watches, and MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. I have the great fortune of having Captain Robert Killian on with us. He is the current world champion of Spartan Racing. And what really brought my attention to him was this event called the Best Ranger. Robert, say hello to our audience. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good to be on the show today. So, Robert... Let's start with that. That's really kind of got my attention. This Best Ranger competition? Yep, that's it. Man alive. I can't even imagine what that must have been like to conjure up a competition amongst all of the best of the best in Rangers. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty, it's the you know, top 1% of the 1% and most elite guys out there. Um, really difficult to uh, even get to. You know, the competition, they only accept uh, 52-man teams, so 100 guys. So you're actually having to go through a selection process even before, um, you know, ma- most major installations have that uh, tryouts, and then they'll pick one team. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty elite um, competition. It's, you know, one of the things that actually got me into OCR, I, I didn't know that much about Spartan Racing or, you know, all the other events out there until um, Colonel Collins, he's a previous Best Ranger winner, you know, got in touch with me last year after I finished second place, and he's like, hey, um, we're trying to put together a military team. Do you want to be a part of it? Because, uh, you know, you've done really well in Best Ranger. And I was like, well, what's it like? He's like, oh, it's like doing the Derby Queen like two or three times. He's like, no worries. You know, don't worry about it. You'll do fine. And I'm like, all right, I trust you. So I'll go out and uh, go out and do a race. But, yeah, I mean, Best Ranger is, I mean, just give you a quick snapshot of how difficult it is. There's a Spartan sprint like within our competition, which is an amazing addition this year, total surprise to me. Had no idea, you know, doing Spartans last year or, you know, being the world champion that they would add it into the um, curriculum this year, which was pretty cool. And, you know, the VP is a command sergeant major retired of Spartans, so uh, Frank Grippy. So I don't know, you know, I'm sure he had a little hand in that. And uh, I think it was a, you know, a very good addition and uh, definitely helped me out. I mean, the techniques that you, you know, acquire from doing Spartan the obstacles over there definitely helps if you're not out there doing it for the first time, which I think a lot of guys in the competition were. So, uh, but then again, I mean, that's just one event, uh, throughout the entire, you know, um, three day period. So we're going, you know, 58, 60 hours straight, um, going from event to event. I mean, it's brutal. You're carrying your rucksack. Um, you're not allowed to accept any outside aid or help or you'll be dropped from the competition. So you're only allowed to eat military rations, which, you know, I'm not used to in any type of training or racing because, you know, I have great, you know, electrolyte drinks that I have, you know, certain calories that I can consume. So it's a completely different ball game when you're, you know, forced to eat massively um, preserved, you know, like food with not the, not, I mean, they're not bad, but I don't know if anyone's out there has had an MRE. I'm sure you can relate to, I have. <laughs> they're not the ideal thing you want to be eating during a race. I, I would imagine. Now, you say it's about a 60-hour event, and it's just, like, nonstop, right? Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, there's no planned rest or sleep. So what you kind of hope on is the way they run the event, um, they'll usually have, like, some type of mass start um, running event or rucking to kind of separate the field to get some gaps in between, in between teams before they get to the second event, which is usually, you know, a really small obstacle course, what they call um, – the uh, Malvesti, which is, you know, just basic six pull-ups. You go up a rope, over some logs, and then across monkey bars, um, through the barbed wire with water, 
and then six more pull-ups at the end. And uh, that kind of separates guys. So guys, you can only have, you know, like one or two teams go at a time. So if you're finishing, you know, towards the front of the run, which is where you want to be, you're going to hit each event back to back to back. So you'll go into that. You're going to a, you know, body armor run, um, right to a swim. You'll grab your rucksack on the far side of the swim, go for like a ruck run, six miles into uh this year they included a um kind of like a crossfit obstacle type race where we were going through tunnels with um you know 250 pound uh dummy with uh in a skedco so mimicking you know you having to move a medical um lane if somebody was injured through you know urban environment and then you go into a, we had to do an atlas ball carry a deadlift carry push a humvee so then it was <laughs> You know, this is the first year they've done that type of stuff too. So you had to have a lot of strength. And wow. uh, I mean, we were we're not even through, you know, half of day one. Um, and then we're we're going into a spot jump. So you'll go into a helicopter, you know, rig your equipment, jump out of an airplane, uh, do a you know parachute landing, grab another. I think this year they had four, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, five gallon water jugs full of water on a skid so about 250 pounds and you have to drag that for about a thousand meters and i mean it's just non-stop and then it's just you're just going you know from one event to the other maybe you get five minutes rest in between each one and uh, what your goal is though at the end of the day if you can get to the holding area before the foot march so at the at the very uh i guess end of the day end of the night the the big event to carry you from about 7 or 8 p.m. until, you know, 11, 12, midnight, however long it takes people to complete it, is the uh, road mile or road march. So you're going 17, 18, 20 miles. Everything's unknown, unknown distance. So you have no idea really how far you're walking, where you're going, which kind of throws a spin on it because, you know, most races, you know, oh, hey, yeah. I'm going to be going X amount of distance for X amount of time. You ha- kind of have it in your head, but you're like, man, do I go hard now? Do I slow down? So you kind of got to, you know, judge and pace yourself and kind of keep in a good position. So if you need to strike or conserve, um, you're right there when you need to be. Wow. Lots yeah, to think um, about. I can't even absolutely. imagine being in a situation where you don't even know what the destination is going to be. Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, because you're out there, at, you know, pitch black dark. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, they even added weight to all of our packing lists. So you've already got about 50 pounds of you know weapons equipment rucksack and uh they'll throw like uh i think two years ago we had after the the third mile they gave us like a full five gallon water jug and we're like all right carry this for the next mile you can't spill any water out and then you turn that in you get like a mile off and they're like all right here's an ammo can full of sand carry that for a mile so it was just kind of like man you know like you're already smoked and exhausted and you have to add another you know 40 50 pounds and try to figure out a way to, you know, work as a partner or a te- two-team partner and uh, try to carry that weight together and, kind of, you know, distribute the workload. Have you done Death Race? I have not. I uh, I kind of heard of it, especially when I went up to do a gogi because a lot of the uh, Death Race, I guess, um, veterans were up there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of looked into it afterwards, and it, it looks kind of similar <laughs> Yeah, to what you might experience uh, in the best ranger competition. So. I read an article that was posed, I think, by some special forces guys, and they were looking at death race, and the commentary was basically around whether they would bother to do it, and they just didn't give it much cred because they figured, why am I doing this? Where in the military, you know why you're doing what you're doing. Do you get that kind of sense for these type of competitions? Yeah, I mean, I read that article. I think I know Tony referencing, and I, I think I mean, everybody has everybody has a different perspective. I mean, you can always, um, from my perspective, you can always learn from you know any anything that you've done, even if you know in the military, I've, yeah, I've been yelled at, yeah, I'll probably be pushed, you know, harder than some of the other things that I may do in the future. But if I'm out there, you know, like helping others or developing or just you know, reiterating what I've already learned. I mean, you can forget something, you know, and just tighten up your shot group by repetitively, repetitively doing those type of things. And I mean, that's the way I, I take away from doing it. And I mean, it's, it's a test, you know, of your, 
you know, your mental toughness and your, your commitment. If you, you know, commit to doing something, it's, you know, that, yeah, I could be sitting on a beach relaxing, you know, drinking beers, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I choose to test my body's limits. I mean, the, the human body is an amazing, you know, thing. It's, it's the most amazing thing in my mind in the, in the world. I mean, you, you, if you truly think about everything that it's capable of and everything we've evolved to, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling, you know, in the past, you know, thousand years. So, I mean, we haven't even been here that long and I, it's, it's a test of, yeah, how much can you take and, uh, when can you get to that breaking point? And of course you want bragging rights too. You want to see, Hey, who, who else, you know, thinks like this or who else, you know, thinks they're stronger than me. I want to try to go test them or, you know, challenge them and keep pushing. And I think that's, uh, that's that competitive, you know, and you come you come from triathlon too. You've got quite a storied yeah. career in, in triathlon. Absolutely. Um, if you were to compare triathlon to OCR, what what do you think is the biggest takeaway? I mean, in mindset in competition. Um, I mean they're very similar. Depending, I mean, there's different distances too. And for me, every distance has a you know type of different strategy, different um, comparison, but. Uh, yeah, I think uh, with triathlon, you're more, I think you're more going like, you know, as hard as you can, almost red line um, at your threshold is what we like to call it. Yeah, I'm sure, you, you know, most people are familiar with that. So your your point to where you're, you know, building that lactic acid where you're, you know, you're at that exhaustion point, but you're, you're not really going over it. You're just kind of right at that threshold. You know, you have what wattage on your bikes. It's very strategic. Whereas um, OCR, I feel like, you know, you're, you're kind of attacking obstacles, but you have a little time to recover and kind of, you know, um, rest in between obstacles and kind of evaluate where you are, kind of figure out where everyone is around you. Um, and I mean, you could do that in a triathlon as well, but, uh, I feel like you have to be more on pace, especially on the run and the swim. And I guess you can kind of use that transition on the bike to kind of figure out where you're at and kind of mellow out. But yeah, my, my, my take, I mean, I've looked at some of my heart rate data, and I've been, you know, near max heart rate in some of the triathlons I've done. And, you know, in a, a Spartan, I haven't been, I mean, I would say somewhat close, but I haven't been as close to my max heart rate doing the events as I, I normally would. Huh? What are you holding back? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's just the, the, you know, having to run up mountains and down mountains. It's more of a technical skill, especially on the uh, obstacles, too, where you're just, I'm attacking them different. I'm not sure. I haven't really thought about why that is, but, uh, yeah, I just feel like going up mountains, I, it's like, you know, just, I love doing it. I really enjoy it. It's, uh, something I train on a lot here in Boulder and I think it definitely helps me. You know, well, you know what I think it is, is that when you're doing an obstacle race, your central nervous system is almost taking over because there's so many unknown entities that you have to contend with. So it's almost conserving to some degree in preparation for what's not known. Where in triathlon, it's pretty pretty straightforward. You know what you're dealing with. I mean, if you know I got to swim this far, and you're in the ocean, you have one environment you're contending with. You kind of adapt to it, and you kind of govern yourself relative to that. And on the bike, as you suggested, kind of tapping out in your your power output or your heart rate. You, you kind of know. I mean, you, you start to wrap your head around, I've got about an hour left of this, and this is how I can, yep. you know. And I, I can relate to that, but I think you're right. I think there's a there's a difference in the mindset which changes the whole dynamic of the competition. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's unknowns out there in the, uh, you're running through, you know, like, crazy trails that or even just woods you know you don't you don't know what's out there there's a lot of brush you're almost breaking um you, you kind of don't know where obstacles are you haven't been on the course so yeah there is that big unknown and sometimes you just need a little you know grit and and heart to push you through it whereas like just like you said in a triathlon you can probably see you know like 10 miles down the road especially in Kona it's just never ending you're just like oh man like I have this far to go it's almost mind numbing. You know, you're on the bike for five hours with no, they won't let you wear music, nothing. So you're just, you're literally just sitting out there with your thoughts. I mean, trying to maintain and, and 
you know, hold on to what you got and try to keep people from passing you. Yeah, exactly. Get to that, get that turnaround point where you can actually hit some tailwinds on the way back and enjoy the ride a little bit. Yeah, I've been out there. I've been out there in that course. It's just really ugly. Oh, it is relentless. It's horrible. Yeah, it is. And so you've uh, you won the world championships last year. And as I suggested to you before we kind of got live here, is that nobody at the time really, for the most part, had heard of you, with a few exceptions. And I suggested to you that Ryan Atkins had mentioned to me that he thought you were a triple threat. Because I asked them, I mean, I did this little pre-world championship uh, interview with a couple guys and said, you know, who do you like, who do you don't like, and and your name never came up except for with Ryan. And Ryan said, well, you know, I did a race with this guy, man, the guy was really tough, and he went on and on about it, and I, I just really didn't know who you were at the time, and sure enough, you, you came out of pretty much nowhere and, and pounded these guys in the ground. Yeah, I uh, I think there's a T-shirt out there now uh, that says who the who the f is Robert Killian. <laughs> kind of showed out of, showed up out of nowhere and uh, yeah, I think uh, one of the things you know you know correlating to the best ranger competition is I've been training for obstacle course racing probably for the past four years. I just never knew it. Like all this same stuff I'm doing to prepare for the best ranger competition really set me up to transition seamlessly seamlessly into OCR, especially Spartan race. Yeah, I met Ryan in, uh, you know, one of the first races I did, Pennsylvania, Jersey. Um, you know, we were neck and neck right there at the end on the swim. And uh, I think that's where, you know, that technique um, kind of really helped them that I, I just didn't know how to do barbed wire very well, didn't know how to do the rig very well. And uh, they kind of got the break on me. But uh, that was one of my goals coming into it was to sit back, watch the pros, you know, the seasoned guys, um, how they negotiate the obstacles and coming from a military background, you have to be very strategic sometimes and think about that kind of stuff and, you know, really focus on the uh, mental aspect, not just, you know, the physical aspect of going out there. And I mm. think it helped, helped out a lot for sure. Are you going and, uh, to Montana? I assume you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going to be, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a bit of a challenge trying to recover after a best ranger. I'm, I'm already feeling my legs just working out this week and, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to go out there and push 100% because I know that I will, but uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be where I want to be. But uh, you never know, you know. Sometimes it, sometimes I always think that, um, you know, after a hard race or a long event that I'm not going to do well, but I end up actually, for, I don't know, for some weird reason, I, I race better than if I would have tapered for a couple weeks. I'm sure you're familiar. I work with Hunter McIntyre. Yep, I know yeah. Hunter. We talk about once a week on the phone. <laughs> Do you? Well, yeah, you know, he, he did Camp Kakora, right? Uh, yes. I was, I was looking at his, uh, his pictures online. Looked yeah. pretty intense. I tried to talk him out of that. <laughs> I tried to talk him talk out, of out of it. Out of anything. I know. Got his mindset. <laughs> no, I know. I said, dude, don't do this. I mean, what do you need to do this for? Cause my focus has been these target races. I want to see him win this Montana event. Yeah, it's his race. He's a sprint guy. I mean, yeah, well, it's just like I didn't like him taking all that beating you know, yep. in the middle of training. And so now he's going to hide under a rock for about a, a couple of days, and then I'll, I'll hear from him, and then we'll get back to work, and hopefully nice. we'll get him ready. But I just – I'll ready. I'm sure he will. He's been – yeah, he's been one of the guys that's been on my radar for sure, So especially – since we uh, we raced early this year down in uh, California, we had a really strong race. I think it's going to be an interesting season. I think Montana is going to be fun. I, I think the whole thing that NBC being involved so heavily now, I think yep. that's really going to change the whole dynamic for Spartan racing. Absolutely, in the U.S. National Championships too. I know a lot of guys, you know, weren't really planning on doing as many NBC races, but now this has got a, a new twist on it. Um, I think yeah, it's going to bring almost every race can be like a world champion race. Right. Crazy. I'd like to see them put more money in it. Yeah, I I agree. Absolutely. Um I mean you see these reality T V shows, you know, I think it was at uh the uh American Grit. I mean they almost get like a million dollars. Granted it's a little bit of a longer um T V series, but you know, I feel like uh that's more reality based where this is like true, you know, true life. They were really going at these obstacles as pros as hard as we can and uh, well they put a quarter million on the nbc thing you know yeah. uh, it was a lot of money 
I just think that given uh, a series event like this where they're actually competing as professionals, yep. there should be more money. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, you do have the overall races in, and you get points money at the end, too. So I'm not really sure how that money is going to get distributed yet. I've kind of did the math for men, women, um, and masters as they've been doing it in the past few years. And I think it only added up maybe like 60 or so if they were doing the same amount of prize money they were doing last year. So still leaves a lot of money out there for points, bonuses, or I'm not sure what, what the other money is going to go to. Well, I think what I read, and I might be wrong, but what I gathered from it is that if you won overall point series, it was like 7500 bucks. Okay. And I don't know whether there's some individual purses associated with the rest of it, but uh, it didn't look to me like you could pull down much more than ten grand From each race or just no, from? No, overall. Okay, wow. No, I was thinking each race would be... I think it was three thousand dollars for first last year, twelve hundred for second, eight hundred for third. So then, if you did that for men and women, um, I forgot how much the masters was for each race. I think that adds up to where I'm. What I'm tracking was at five races to the fifty, sixty thousand dollars plus the point bonus. Hmm. Um, Maybe I got it wrong. That's what that's how we did it last year, and it, I mean, so you have the potential for each race if you won, I guess, three thousand dollars. Yeah, you would only be winning fifteen thousand, but they, I think they add that for the men and the women, so that's kind of where all the money is getting added into the hundred thousand dollar prize purse. Yeah, I'd like to see somebody win a hundred thousand dollars because that's what they, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. hundred thousand. I'm with yeah. you. I like it. Well, you know, I mean, really, at the end of the day, when you want to develop a sport, the way to develop a sport is put money in it. I agree. Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, you might even have done the race, but the uh, the triathlon that they put on in um, St. Louis. It's the uh, the Lifetime Fitness Triathlon. Have you done that? The Lifetime Fitness Triathlon. When they first did their first event, they put a buttload of money on it, and because they were in control of it, what they did was they they did a handicap for the women so a okay. woman can potentially win the race overall. Yeah, and then what they did, they went around and shopped the event to all of the major networks. And so whoever, whatever network picked it up had to pay to do the broadcasting of the event, which basically paid back all the money they guaranteed for the winner, huh. which was okay. really smart. The idea being that you know you win a hundred thousand bucks or something like that, two hundred thousand bucks if you win overall, and the women could potentially be an overall winner, which was kind of cool too. No, for sure, yeah. But I just think that creative thinking is what's going to develop the sport. I really do. Yeah, I I think so as well, and yeah, I think they'll get there. It's just, uh, I mean, it's only a few years old. Still, a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of changes being made, trial and error, and I think yeah, I think we'll get there. So pretty much your career has been, been what's developing your ability to do what you're doing in the OCR community right now. Yeah, yeah, just being uh being in the military. I mean, there's there's amazing uh, sports opportunities. You know, just not you know outside of you know you go to combat. I went to combat. I went to Iraq for a year. I spent a lot of time in Fort Polk, Louisiana. So my first duty assignment, which actually got me into triathlons, because there's not a whole lot to do on there. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, a lot of long straight roads. So got to got a bike and uh started getting on it and yeah i had a had a goal just wanted to go to kona so uh, before i left uh, active duty and uh the military has an all-army triathlon team um that does olympic distance and then one person gets selected to go to kona so it took me about two years to get selected to go to kona for the army and then i ended up winning the armed forces um championship out there the admiral's cup uh, the Admiral's Cup is, yeah, out in... Um, Point Magoo. Point Magoo, correct. That's and where I've, I live. I've done, yeah, I've done that race six times. I ride by that uh, base every weekend yeah. on my bike. Yeah, Highway 1. That's, uh, that's a pretty 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 nice ride up there. Yeah, I've, I've actually been to the race. I've actually had athletes participate in that event. Yep. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great race. Uh, I haven't had much luck with it. I mean, I think the best I've ever placed is like 10th. It's big, big swimming. Uh um, sport. I mean, I've I've never really swam 
at all in high school or college. So I was kind of behind the power curve as far as uh, trying to get, you know, my form down. There's a lot, a lot more to swimming than just, you know, getting in the water and going. You need to have some definite uh, experience and knowledge. Yeah, you're right. Have you ever done Malibu? I've not. My last Malibu race I did two years ago. I was okay. uh, 61 years old, and I did the Olympic distance. Awesome. And it beat my butt. Only two I've done, I've, I did the uh, Honolulu Triathlon the year they had the Elite National Championships out there, and then Kona. There's only two Hawaii races I've done. And you've done the Kauai Marathon a few times too, right? Yes, I have. That was uh, they were trying to get, they were they were giving away uh, fifteen thousand dollars for anyone who can go under two thirty because it's an extremely hilly, difficult course. And yeah, the year I did, I think I did two thirty four and two thirty two. Couldn't get it, but uh, I mean, I was racing against four Kenyans, and they didn't even they dropped out of the race completely. A guy from Boulder ended up getting it, uh, two twenty eight, and then I think uh, I can't remember his name, Michael. LaGuardia or LaGuardia or something like that. Mm-hmm. can't remember his name, but uh, he uh, he ended up going under that year too. So, uh, yeah, great great for those guys. I mean, they, they had to split the money, but it was it was a good battle, and they ended up, yeah, just uh, smoking me in the last few miles and didn't have anything left. But uh, it was a great race. It's really pretty out there. So t- talk to me about what happens next for you now that you've, you've won this competition with the military. I mean, do they, do they like uh, – circus you around and and how does that all work i mean I'm, I'm assuming that that just puts you in a really interesting light with the military um yeah i mean absolutely there's uh it's it, it's the most prestigious i mean you know competition in all of the armed forces so it's um there's a lot of you know generals and sergeant majors that want to know you know how you did it or how you trained and they want you to be an inspiration for other soldiers out there and you know try to get them motivated and um, aspired to, you know, go to ranger school to become, you know, better leaders. I mean, there's, there's nothing but positive things that being involved with the competition, you know, uh, puts you in. I mean, you, you're better trained to go back and train the guys within your unit. Uh, this type of stuff we do is, you know, the most important stuff that you would do during combat. We're shooting, we're uh, doing medical, I mean, just, you know, moving with equipment, uh, call for fire, you know, I mean, you're doing everything that, you'd be expected to do in a combat environment just um you know during as a part of a competition so yeah, uh, yeah. i told you yeah. my, my son's in the 160th right yeah absolutely yep and um he just re-enlisted okay and he told me that well actually he's re-enlisted twice twice maybe it's been okay. so long now i forget but he told me that you know when they were going to put him in reserve duty after his first his first uh, stint, that he wasn't going to have any part of it because they could put him anywhere. And if he was going to be anywhere, he wanted to be with his unit. So he he just would secure his future by being with his unit because he knew that he was with the best of the best and and that that was going to be a safe place for him. Yeah, I mean once you start getting involved, you know, with the special operations guys, and I mean they're you know, everyone's there on a voluntary basis. So they, you know, want to aspire to be more than just, you know, in the army, more than just, you know, an infantryman. They actually want to be, you know, in that top tier. And those are the guys, I mean, when you, when you get there and you're working with them, I mean, it's a, it's a different kind of army when you're, you know, working with, you know, the most elite guys, the most fit guys, you know, really intelligent. Um, they have that drive. And yeah, you don't you don't want to go back to to work anywhere else once you you know you've been part of that that group. Well, it it just made me feel better about the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> every every time he'd go out on a mission or something, I I feel I, I get a sense of calm knowing that he's least being you know looked after by some of the best there are. Yeah, no, I agree for sure. So, are you going to stay in the military, or how's that going to work for you? Yeah, so the way I've been doing uh, ever, ever since I got off active duty, there's been um, in the National Guard what they call uh, active duty for operational support orders. So you would, you know, if you need to assist um, on a mission that you're going to be planning for, you would go on orders. So I think last year I was on eight months of those type of orders. Uh, the year before we did a mission to North Africa, to Morocco. And last year, you know, we just did some uh, 
um, I guess our annual training uh, at a Pavace West is the, I guess the name for it down in Cannon Air Force Base. And you pretty much are just going through a, uh, a massive, you know, culmination exercise where you incorporate, I mean, just call for fire, airborne operations, uh, you know, direct action attacks. Um, you know, we're shooting uh, large caliber weapons, 50 cal, Mark 19. I mean, you just, you name it, we're out there doing a lot of, uh, you know, special tasks that we would do, you know, if we were called to do a mission for the special forces or something. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, you have to stay on that, you know, um, training cycle and top tier and, you know, to be able to do that. And the national guard is a little bit more difficult because you only have those, you know, few days a month and those couple weeks a year. So you really, we really need to maximize on our time. And, uh, there are other opportunities to go to schools, and I think that's my next thing as an officer. I probably should, you know, go to grad school, get my master's degree. I'm at 12 years active federal service right now, so I've got eight more to go if I want to retire active. Um, and then add another 10 on that if I want to retire within the National Guard. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm looking for four jobs. Uh, I mean, one of the cool things about the military and the National Guard, I mean, there's all Army sports programs. Um, I've, you know, been a part of the orienteering team, which really helped me uh, you know, in the best ranger competition, because, you know, one of the longest parts of it, the 11 and a half hour land navigation portion where you're out there, you know, rucking with your partner trying to find little tiny chem lights in the middle of the woods, you know, at night going through terrain, all you have is a compass map, you know, you're not allowed to use any GPS or, you know, like uh, watches, none of that. So you're, you know, you're navigating strictly with, you know, map compass protractor and, uh, in your brain. So, uh, Again, you know, a detrimental skill that's important, you know, when you're out there on a mission, you know, and you may have to evade or escape somewhere. And, you know, that's all you have because you don't want anyone to be able to track signal devices. So, right. yeah, wow. I mean, all that stuff is, yeah, important and uh, plays into, plays into you know, what we do out there in the, you know, battlefield. And, uh, I mean, I would I definitely want to retire in the military and I would like to, um, yeah, just be kind of a coach, a mentor to the younger guys that I'm, you know, about to make major, kind of getting promoted. Um, won't be able to go out and do, you know, as much cool guy stuff as I'd like to. Eventually, I know I have to sit behind a desk and uh, start doing, you know, like planning and kind of mentoring. And I can't, can't be out there shooting guns and jumping on airplanes for the rest of my Darn career. It. But uh, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on as long as I can. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I think I'm one of the, the oldest captains in the Army right now with uh, – I think I've turned down major the past three years, mainly to get uh, developmental time as a detachment commander because I transitioned so late um, into the special forces. You still need that time before you're uh, promotable. So it worked out for me. I got a few a few more extra years uh, dodging some desk work. So. What do you do for work when you're home? Well, I, I've just been uh, off of orders since September of last year. So that was my last active duty order and usually what I when I'm on those orders I'll drive out to Watkins, Colorado and uh work on the staff up there, you know, just planning for whatever they got going on, you know, whatever uh training meetings that they go got going on to kind of schedule out the planning over the next year. We call it like our battalion training management seminar. Or have a military ball, you know, come up or something, I'll coordinate for that. Just kinda Helping out, you know, staff positions, um, any missions that come up overseas, you know, you, you coordinate with the embassies, you're, you know, getting guys um, on orders so they can come in for training, make sure all their equipment's squared away. Um, there's a lot, you know, a lot of that that goes into it. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a weird thing. It happened that I was able to go into Spartan racing and transition to the pro team when I did because I literally wasn't sure what I was going to do this year uh, I, I definitely plan on going back to college and uh, getting my master's degree which um i'm still kind of developing a timeline for that but i mean i i've always wanted to be a professional athlete i mean it's it's a goal and it's something that i you know as i get older is kind of you know it's just it's it's inevitable you can't compete at a certain level once you you get a little bit older so uh i figured you know i've done 12 years in the military i've done a lot of a lot of other things. It might as well take one year to really kind of do what I want to do. So, when you watch Matt Novakovich, does it give you hope? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's 
I'm going to keep, uh, I keep watching his videos, you know, his 30% inclines on the treadmill. They got me all motivated to uh, go out and run some mountains. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to do it for as long as I can. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a blessing. I mean, it truly is to be able to, to do this for, you know, the next year. And I think, uh, you know, as I hopefully win more races and pick up some sponsorships, it'll be more realistic to actually, you know, pay the bills and, you know, be something that can provide for my family. Cause I, sure. I can't be out there, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys are single out there, you know, doing events and I uh, don't have a lot to think about, but, uh, I know all the dads out there, you know, Bradkin, Cody, we, we have a different, you know, approach to, you know, what we're able to do as far as, um, supporting our family while being athletes at the same time. Absolutely. Um, do you have designs on world's toughest motor? Um, I, I did it last year um, as a pretty much like, all right, the way it went down is as soon as I finished Worlds, everyone was like, well, you got to do this now. Now you have to do this. So I was before I knew it, I was signed up for Warrior Dash Worlds, OCR Worlds, World Toughest Mudder Worlds. And I'm like, I haven't even raced any of these before. But, you know, I wanted to go out and just experience them so I would know how to train this year. I mean, I, I had no intention of winning any of those races just to kind of go out and experience um, the differences between those races and Spartan. And after doing them, I definitely, you know, know what I need to adjust. Um, Cause each, each race has a different aspect and world's toughest mutter is just about staying warm. Yeah. I mean, it is about endurance. It is about strength, but I would say more than anything else, it's nutrition and staying warm. I mean, you just really, your body temperature gets down. I mean, you cannot um, effectively, you, can't you know, perform. run. Yeah, you can't. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you train and how much endurance, because I, I was literally just not tired at all, but I could not keep my core temperature up high enough to where I felt like I could run faster. It was just, it, it was a weird feeling. <laughs> so now I know what to change, and I'll, I'll go back maybe this year with, uh, with, yeah, some new goals. Well, the sucker's bet is to do it as a team and then try to get 100 miles, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the 25,000. And uh, I actually was going to go into it last year with the team, but um, Ryan Kent blew out his ankle in Dallas. So uh, it was going to be, I mean, it would have been a good team if you think about it, because Chad won the whole thing. It was going to be him, Chad, I, and then uh, uh, Appleton. So, yeah, we were we were going to, you know, try, try to beat Ryan and them, but uh, – I mean, that's a really hard thing to do is to get four guys on the same page running the same pace. Um, I think they've actually changed it this year to, I think, like, two guys can win, like, ten grand or something. Ah. You get, like, a two-man team. So, uh, but, yeah, well, uh, I don't know if we're going to do another team this year. I'll do it individually. I'll kind of assess where we're at. Well, Nick um, Holland is probably looking for somebody. Okay. You know, nice. I would absolutely put my money on him if he has a couple other people with him that can hold up their end. Yep, because last time they just didn't. I mean, you know how that shook out. He came out of nowhere, just missed podium, and he was he had to make up. I don't know how many hours because he was lagging with his team. Right. Oh yeah. No. It's that's the thing is uh, deciding. Yeah, whether you want to go as an individual or try to gamble with the team, but you never know how those guys are going to perform. I mean, you could have someone who's in even better shape than you, just have a bad day. You never know. You know. Yeah. If they're not taking in calories, they're not drinking properly, they're just really hyped up, their anxiety, you know, they're just nervous. Um it plays a toll on a twenty four hour race and uh That's why you, I call it a sucker's bet. It is. It really is. Yeah, you you never know. Uh, well not only that, but you you have that, that pressure to try to get the hundred miles. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're Yep, there's a, I I actually was yeah, I said that I wanted to go 125, <laughs> and I yeah blew up, uh, I think, around mile 65, 70. Granted, I also ran in a pair of shoes that I had never worn before, which I thought would be awesome, but I ended up uh, running, I think, 21 miles after that in my Army boots because I, I was going right to the uh, selection for Best Ranger like the week after that, and I brought all my gear to fly right to Georgia, and I was like, I had no ankle support. I've got extremely flat feet and I ended up wearing the ice bug because I thought 
um, they have this amazing mesh and the water would just drain out. And I was like, well, if I'm going to have wet shoes the whole time, I'd rather them be kind of light and dry. Right. I didn't factor in the ankle support, the hard soles just beat my feet up. So I ended up wearing my Nike, you know, special forces boots, um, special field boots for like 20 miles and they were amazing. So maybe next time. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll definitely be making some wardrobe and uh shoe changes for the next, next attempt. So looking at the season at large, looking at just at Spartan, for example, how do you think it's going to shake out? Who's going to be top of the heap for the men? Um, I think, you know, the same same guys, uh, unless, you know, there's another Robert Killian that shows up. Hope not, because, uh, <laughs> but you never know. But uh, myself, you know, Hunter, Cody, Brian, I mean, Chad, I mean, all the pro team guys are capable of winning races. That's the thing is we are any day, you know, whoever's at their 100, 110% uh, effort can, can be on the podium and going to be exciting uh i mean that's the thing about ocr though is you got to look at injuries you got to look at courses um every course is different you know every every course is going to have their you know probably favorite um guy that has a you know a little bit of an advantage either you know as far as flat races speed uh mountains um i'm sure they're going to throw some twists in this year with uh different obstacles and going to shake things up a bit so I mean, it's all how you relate and bounce back from that. I know sometimes, I mean, if guys have one bad obstacle, I mean, they'll just they'll destroy themselves for the rest of the race. Whereas Cody, man, he'll have a, he'll miss an obstacle and he'll he'll you know push twice as hard, and he'll be right right back up there with you before you even know it. And you're just like, man, how does he do that? But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the things about OCR. You have to have a clean race to be competitive, and uh, hopefully, you know, that's the thing about obstacles. You know, you hope for um, you to you to do them correctly, and maybe for some other guys to make some mistakes. Yeah, it's a cool sport all the way around. I think that there are so many unknowns, and it's just evolving every year. You're learning more, and more things are happening. I just really enjoy the sport. I really like it so much more, as I told you earlier, than triathlon because triathlon really to, is a spectator event. Is like watching grass grow. You know what I mean? It's just like the hardest thing in the world to watch. Absolutely. And even when you're in it, it seems like forever and ever, nothing's really changing other than the intensity or, I mean, you get out there for a long time on the bike and it just, it just gets old after a while. Yeah, I agree. And I think I've been asked a few times, are you doing any triathlons this year? And I was like, nope, yeah. <laughs> I'll be on my bike training because it's a, it's a really good uh, way to train um, low impact and, you know, just a couple days a week kind of to get off of, you know, beating your legs up on the uh, mountains and stuff, carrying heavy equipment, etc. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I I mean, that's the thing about these NBC races, too, is we'll get to see where everyone's at, you know, every month. You'll, you know, you'll get to race with guys, and you can see, you know, where they're weak, where they're strong. And uh, I don't know, some guys may overtrain trying to crush themselves for NBC and not have enough at the end for Worlds. through you know it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how many people can maintain that uh that level because some people think you can just you know go straight up that mountain and can and spike but i mean it's more like a roller coaster you have to have your downtime to be able to you know go that much higher the next time that you go you know back on your uh, your uphill climb to uh, try to peak when you look at the sport in common and we're basically breaking it down to three events the sprint the super and the beast where would you say you shine most? Definitely the beast. I mean, I'm an endurance guy. I like the longer, longer, you know, more grit races. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I am capable of running, you know, 15 flat, 15, 25 K, but I, you know, really have to work hard to do that. Whereas I feel like in a beast, I can still maintain that fast pace just over a longer period. And it doesn't, doesn't wear me out. I just, I don't have a natural, natural gift, natural talent. I'm, you know, extremely thankful for it. I can just maintain, um, have really, you know, high threshold, um, for longer, longer distances, especially in the mountains. I mean, that's, uh, one of the things I love about Spartan in particular is they incorporate, I mean, almost all their big races are on ski resorts and you're one of the hardest obstacles is how much you climb. And a lot of guys, you know, from the Olympic, you know, track and field, um, I guess, uh, athletes, came out you know the world's couple guys i mean they went blazing out in front of me and i was like man who are these guys you know they're hauling but as soon as we 
you know, started climbing, that's a, it's a completely different ball game. You can be a, you know, 14 minute 5k or whatever, 13, but if you're not, you know, able to run hills, it'll, it'll crush even those, you know, Olympic caliber guys. Somebody forgot to tell them there was going to be a hill on the course, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, that's the thing too, is there's, there's some amazing, you know, hill runners out there and trail runners that I think are going to transition into the sport eventually. I have a couple of friends that I've been trying to get to do it and they won't listen to me. They're yeah. very, very resistant. And I know a couple of guys that are just such amazing runners in the mountains that if I they do. were to decide, it would be really a big deal. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping they stay away. So. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to bring them is the money, you know? Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and they're making more, I'm sure doing, you know, ultras and trail running stuff too, but, uh, well, yeah, Joe I mean, Gray, what... for example, Joseph uh-huh. Gray, he's, world champion caliber at mountain racing. I don't yep. know that he's got any upper body strength, but I think we could train that into him, and you just will never catch him in the mountains. No. I, I do think a lot of guys are afraid of getting injured because, I mean, you're you're not always running on trails, and it's, the descents are pretty brutal sometimes. I mean, it's, I, I've i been trying to improve my descending. That's one of the things, you know, that Ryan on his, you know, mountain biking background has a little bit of an advantage over me, and same with Hunter. I don't know how those guys descend too fast or just natural gravity pulling them down, but, uh, yeah, they're fast. I mean, that's where Hunter usually catches me. Um, I mean, I know what I need to work on. I've been working on it, but, uh, that's something, you know, just like you wouldn't think about it, but you need to work on downhill running. It's not, you would think, you know, just gravity, you know, downhill, I can run fast, but no, it's, it's like anything else. You have to train on that you know particular part of the race i'm glad you brought that up because i do running clinics i did one actually did one yesterday and one of the things that we do is we very specifically focus on downhill technique right and what i like to do with my athletes is i have them do repeats on the downhill walk up the hill come down the hill technically sound first and then progressively work on their speed, but work on their technique first, then work on their speed, and do repeats yeah. like that. You have to learn to run downhill, just like you would. There's not much technique going up a hill, right? You just got to hammer yourself up there. Yep, absolutely. And a lot of races are lost on the downhill. Yep, I agree. Yeah. First of all, let me just thank you for your service. I appreciate it. It's guys like you that are keeping my son alive. And I respect and admire the work you do. And, you know, before I run off, and uh, since it just came to mind, have you ever looked at some of these guys and thought, man, what a waste. If we can get these guys in the military, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been trying to hound Isaiah Vidal. Like, every time I see him about going into Special Forces, he lives right there in uh, Colorado Springs and 10th groups right there. Um, you know, he's a young guy, I think. You know, I think it'd be perfect for him. Yeah, I, I, he's got a good attitude, so, I mean, I'm going to keep on him. I'll see him in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think there's, you know, a lot of OCR guys out there that would correlate into the military uh, very easily, and they would do, you know, great things and be a yeah, great asset. Yeah, so tremendous that. assets. That's one of the things we're trying to do is get the U.S. Army to – come out in some type of sponsorship or have recruiters, you know, at some of the races. I know um, Battle Frog does, you know, the Navy SEAL guys are out there. So uh, they've got that going for them. So I'm hoping, you know, Spartan will, you know, get some uh, some support from the U.S. Army. And it's hard, you know, for the Army to branch out sometimes and to uh, you know, do the recruiting part. But, uh, yeah, I think it would be a great, great thing for both parties. And, and we're making the right movements. I mean, the uh, Spartan race is the only one that does races on military installations. So there's one at, you know, Fort Carson, Fort Benning, um, Fort Bragg, and Fort Campbell. So they're getting that military uh, involvement there. And uh, I think they're bringing more civilians into uh, interacting with our military as well at those races and making connections. And, I mean, it is really an all-around good thing. I mean, the things we do for our wounded veterans, uh, Bravo Company out there, you know, fighting uh, PTSD, you know, having, you know, veterans uh, suicide awareness. I mean, they're they're doing a lot of things. Operation Enduring Warrior for, you know, wounded veterans. I mean, just true warriors out there um, doing races and crushing them, you know, missing limbs. I mean, it's, it's really amazing. There's no excuse for, for someone not to, you know, to say they can't do something when those guys are out there. Um, I mean, adaptive athletes, I mean, you name it. And 
you know, Spartan's one of the only sports that I know that, you know, really caters and gives back to so many different, um, you know, organizations at the same time. Remember me if you ever think of something that I might be able to do to help because I'm all about it myself. And, I, again, I thank you for what you do, and I thank you for coming on and doing this with me today. And Trevor, I wish you the best of luck this season, my friend. Hey, thanks. I'm going to push as hard as I can. And, yeah, hopefully uh, the fan, the fans are out there. You know, they're they're really supportive. I didn't realize how many there were. But, I mean, in just over a year, I mean, it's it's been pretty unreal. And uh, or just under a year. Um, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep pushing this year and uh, see what I'm capable of. And uh, you brought up, uh, definitely I forgot to bring this up earlier, but Ryan Atkins, who introduced me, you know, kind of as, as the unknown. But uh, we we have, like, a great relationship. We, you know, go for, you know, runs after our uh, events and stuff. But definitely one of my goals for this year is to take him down in Battle Frog since he's undefeated. So I figured I'd spice things up a little bit and call him out. Well, and, I like uh, that. I like that smack know, mouth. He knows, yeah, he knows I'm coming. So I, I told him I'd be in uh, Toronto. So I, I told him I'd take it to his home country. Oh, man. <laughs> You're going to go get him. You're going to go to Canada to get him. Uh, but he's, I mean, it's he's an extremely talented athlete. And I, I mean, it's going to be the most difficult thing to do is to beat him on. That's almost his, you know, home field, too. He, he designs the courses for Battle Frog. He's run them more than anyone else. So he you know, I was more familiar with them. And uh, I was really hoping to see him in Atlanta. Um, he was there, but ended up hurting his calf. So, and I uh, didn't get to race him, but I uh, had a great race too. I think I, I ran seven and a half minutes in front of second place. So it was a, it was a pretty intense uh, course. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to, oh, that's the only, only battle frog I'm doing this year. So hopefully he'll be there and he'll be able to race. And uh, we'll throw I down. I will call the, him out. I promise we'll, you we'll I will. Down. I'm good friends with him. I like Ryan a lot, and I think he's a great athlete, as you suggested. But I love that you're calling him out. I think it's great. Yeah, and I hope I hope we can do it. I mean, I don't know if Battle Frog will let him. Uh, sometimes when he designs the courses and sets them up, they uh, won't let him race. So maybe that's one that he doesn't need to design, and we can go head to head and see what happens. You should tell him. Say, look, design it. Don't design it. One way or the other, me and you are going to throw down. I told him that in Atlanta. I was like, hey, I'm coming up to Toronto. Hint, hint. You know, it's going to be me and you. So. Well, best of luck, my brother, and uh, I look forward to meeting you one day. Hey, I appreciate it too, Richard. Thanks for your time, and uh, thanks for having me on. You Take bet. It easy. Take care, buddy. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.